Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, you did not hear bio at the beginning. And if you are a longtime listener, you know why. But today is going to be an amazing, amazing episode because I do have a dear friend here. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in a round of applause for Gary Stein. Hello, sir. Hello, Robin. Thanks. No problem. Now, the reason I didn't read your bio is because I, I started seeing I really liked giving the guests an opportunity to say who they were. Yeah. yeah. Not, you know, I mean, if you wish to talk about your accomplishments, more than fine, but it was just an opportunity for for it to be a lot cleaner, not, not have to co- come straight from source. Who are yeah. you? You know, who yeah. are you? How do you show up in the world? And I'll let you start there. Oh, that's, I, that's, that's a fabulous starting place because it's funny when we spoke before we started to record a few minutes ago and you asked me to sort of give my bio, I had for just a second that old feeling that I have when I have to write my bio, which is, you know, the way I think everybody feels about it. Oh God, what am I going to say? What, 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 what shall I say? And, um, but, but I, but that was just a little twinge of it. And I, I very quickly recognized you don't have to deal with all that, where you came from and all that stuff. Much more interesting to talk about. Here's what I am now. If some biographical material seeps into that, great. But it, there's no reason to pollute who I am now with all of that business. You know? <laughs> that's, just, that. that's just the way I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of a new feeling. Uh, thinking that Yes, I've you know I'm, I'm I'll be 71 years old this year. I've been around for a long time, but everything that came before is is sort of interesting, but it also seems sort of irrelevant to me now. You know, I mean, yes, in some ways, being who I was and what I was brought me to this to to where I am now, but um, but my life is so completely different now that I don't spend a lot of time visiting who I was and and bios for the most part are really more about who you were than who you are you know so I I like the format that you've given it because this is more about who I am I'll give you an example Uh, I, I had to go to the dentist yesterday not mine or anybody's favorite thing, even though I love my dentist. <laughs> they cool people, um, but I don't like going to see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like my dentist because she's so nice and we always laugh and have fun. But she had a new hygienist and this woman had never cleaned my teeth. And so I got to the dentist and I was in a certain amount of physical pain because I had knee surgery a couple of months ago and it's still kind of healing. And and, and I had a headache and I got to get in that dentist chair, which is made for somebody about six inches shorter than I am. And so I'm in there and she starts to work and I discover she has um, very heavy hands. Let's put it that way. She was incredibly thorough and competent, but her hands were too heavy for my old mouth. And I was sort of monitoring what was going on in my head. And it was very interesting because all of a sudden I thought, 
you know, given all the various <laughs> pain things that are happening right now, this is probably the least pleasant uh, cleaning that I've ever had in my life. And I seem to mind it less than I ever have. So here I am having this experience that most people would uh, describe as not, not very pleasant. And it was just sort of something that I noted. And I wasn't trying to change it. I wasn't trying to get out of it. I wasn't trying to uh, figure out how much longer I had in the chair. I was just riding along with it. And I knew that that was, it made it so easy. And, and that's what I want to say about my life now. It's easy in a way that it never was before because I was innocently making it very, very difficult. And of course I was convinced I wasn't doing it. It was being done to me. And when I was finally able to see that, uh, everything changed. Everything changed. Then how, with that, how would you then say, answer the question of who is Gary? Gary is just life living itself. That's kind of the way I feel because I'm so much more willing to let that happen now. Yeah. Uh, to, to, let, to let what's happening around me just, just embrace it and go with it instead of trying to avoid it or complain about it or uh, uh, talk about how unreasonable it is or how it would be better to be something else. It's just, yeah, this is what I, this is what I have right now. And that's great, you know? Love that. And I love that so much because it, it kind of points to something you sent me, a blog you just recently wrote, and I actually want to read what you said and it kind of lets you go from there. And it said, the word perfect can't be described as the way something is supposed to be because that reduces perfection to a theoretical idea that can never be attained. Perfection might be described as letting something be what it is. In other words, it's seeing the completeness of something as it is. That's the only perfection in the world both you and I live in. Man, that blew my mind when I read that. That's what I was hoping to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it I sort mean, of blew my mind when I wrote it yeah. because I didn't know that was what was going to come out. It just, it just came out. But it does sort of encapsulate perfection in a way that, um, that makes an awful lot of sense to me. You know, I, I used to say perfection is a way of never giving yourself or anybody else credit for anything because it's never good enough. It never meets the standard. And I remember once hearing George Pransky talk about perfectionism and he said, you know, the, uh, the emotion most often associated with perfectionists, it's irritation because nothing's ever good enough. And that really hit home with me because I thought, oh yeah, that feels familiar. When I'm in that perfectionistic state, uh, it, it, you know, really, really tied up in that, it's got to be this way, it's got to be exactly this way, I'm irritable all the time. When I let it be what it is, there's nothing to be irritated about. It's just me observing life and engaging with life. So that's, it's just completely, completely different. All the ideas I ever had about myself they just, uh, I, I don't go back to them now. They don't, they don't have anything to do with me anymore. And I've seen that open up my life in, in ways that are 
Yeah, I'll give you an example a little later on when we talk about something else, but it, it just, it, it astonishes me that this was always here. Perfection was always here. And because I didn't recognize the costume it was wearing, I missed it. And it, now, I, now I understand perfection presents itself in, cost, in a costume different from what I'm expecting. If I have real strong expectations, it's gotta be this way or it's gotta be that way. And just by being neutral about it and really taking a look at what's in front of me, I'm much more likely to see perfection where it already lives instead of having to think that somehow I have to fix it or make it better or make it perfect. What a gift that would have been to learn 20 years ago. <laughs> well, you know, I can say what a gift that would have been to learn 50 years ago when I was 20 or something. And it would, okay, yeah. it would have been, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I have it now. Yeah, yeah. That's all that matters. I have it now and I'm able to, to, to guide other people in that direction, especially as we were talking about earlier, um, young people, you know, people who are 20 or I have a, I have a goddaughter who's just about that age and seeing, seeing those people come to a new understanding of who they are and what they are and what life is, is, is just this breathtaking gift that I feel like I've been given, you know, and why wouldn't I want to pass it on to somebody else if that's my experience? And you know, the other passage that says uh, it's two great times to plant a tree 30 years ago and today. Yeah. Can't, yeah. can't change. <laughs> can't change what we haven't done. But man, man, we could start today. I love that. And you talked, um, we also were talking about some of the cool things you've done. Yeah. Everything from acting to to speaking and, and now singing. So kind of shape some of that. How's that been? Oh, and all right. Well, yeah, I, I was... <laughs> I went to school thinking I was going to be a psychologist. I, 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 I decided to be an actor instead, which was strange because I was so painfully shy. Mm, okay. and, but a lot of actors are actually, you know, really, they, they think of themselves as being very shy. And I did that for almost 20 years, uh, working mostly in regional theaters and uh, television stuff, soap operas. One day I was trying to figure out I used to say to people, if I could find something I liked as much as acting, I'd quit acting today. But what I didn't understand was what I really liked about acting. It was that I forgot who I was. I wasn't thinking about myself and so something else could come through. And when I figured that out, it was easy to quit and start to do something else. First, I went to graduate school to become a landscape architect, which was the hardest thing I've ever done because I don't have a mind for math and engineering. And while I was in school, I noticed that um, my classmates, all of whom were like me on second careers, and most of whom had fine arts or design backgrounds, they, when it came time to stand up and present their design, because that's what you have to do in design school, you get up and defend your, you present and defend your design in front of a design jury. They would take these beautiful drawings, renderings that they'd done, and stand up in front of people and just kill them dead. And I'd take my stuff, which wasn't as beautifully realized and wasn't as, maybe wasn't as clever, but I could make it come to life when I stood in front of people. And I thought, wait a minute, 
I can help these people. And, and they, they helped me. I mean, I had, I had arrangements with a lot of students. I give them help with presenting. They give me help with grading and drainage or an engineering problem or something like that. So uh, I thought all of a sudden, this is what I'm going to do. And I started doing that sort of coaching. And it was in the, in the dawn of coaching. There weren't even any coaching schools there. This is 1995. 95, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I was just making it up as I went along, but I I found that I could sort of see what somebody had had to bring to the table, and I could see if they were bringing it or not, if they were able to deliver it. And if they weren't, I was able to talk them in a way that they could get access to that. I knew more about it than I thought I did. And so I did that for years, and that led into different kinds of coaching. It was mostly with corporate clients and, and, and hugely in the pharmaceutical industry, pharmaceutical development, not the marketing side, the development side. So I would coach these teams that were developing new drugs and trying to get them, uh, uh, get them approved and onto the market. And I did that for years. And what I discovered was I had that same feeling that I had was when I was an actor because I'd forget who I was. I'd just get out of my own way. And I, I thought, well, if I can do that as an actor, I bet I can do it in other areas of my life. And I found other areas where I could do it. So I, do, I, I never regretted stopping being an actor because I now I was able to do what I do every day. You know, most actors don't work every day. They spend most of their time looking for work. Unless you're a big star, then, you know, people come to you. But otherwise, it's, it's, you're looking for work all the time. This way, I get to do it all the time. It's funny, but learning to get out of my own way, I was able to translate it into almost everything in my life. So that any self-consciousness I had, because let's face it, that's what shyness really is. It's just, you're thinking about yourself too much and, and judging yourself. Uh, it just, it's never a factor anymore in any situation I'm in. Um, but that was the thread in my career that how, what, what can I do where I forget? I'm so involved in what I'm doing, I just forget about myself because it's always where I was most effective. It's where any of us are most effective. When we're thinking about ourselves, you know, I wrote a piece a while back about self-consciousness and self-confidence. And I said, they're like two sides of the same coin. And very much like a coin, if you're looking at the side that has self-consciousness on it, you absolutely cannot see the other side. It's as though the self-confidence side doesn't exist. And if you flip the coin over, you get the same experience. If you're experiencing self-confidence, there's no reason why self-consciousness even comes into the equation, but you can only see one at a time, you know? Nina! Hello! <laughs> thank you, thank, listen, I was waiting for the, the, um, the, the good half to come in. I was waiting for that part. So thank you. Thank you. Super excited about our conversation, but was definitely hoping to see you during the whole course of time. How are you doing? Oh, I'm really good. How about you? I can't complain. And ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know who I'm talking to, this is Miss Nina Lockwood. And if you go 
into the archives, there's a beautiful episode of her talking about being creative. And yes, that is Gary's. I want to say better half because Gary's Gary's pretty cool too. I'm I'm learning Gary's pretty cool too. No, 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 just yeah. my... You're welcome to say that. Okay, okay cool. I mean, I think the better was... half then. There it is. <laughs> Gary gave me permission to. So how are you doing? Life's good. Oh man. I don't know the last time I seen you all two in the same frame, other than last time we went out to eat. The last time we went out to eat a couple of years ago. That's a long time ago. It is. Yeah, it was the Remember last time I seen but I know. It the is. reunion we were promised, but have never had. <laughs> yeah. Now maybe you ought to speak to someone about that. Yeah, I'll make it happen. I'll talk to him. <laughs> I'll see him soon, too. Yeah. All right, well, well, I won't hug your call, but I'm so glad I got a chance to say hello. Oh, Sending thank you big for... hugs and lots of love. Same back. Thank you. Bye for now. I love I love the conversations where I could see. Oh, well, I'm still just self-conscious about that then, because <laughs> I, I, uh, thinking about how you explain your singing, you said you had acted in front of thousands, spoke in front of hundreds, but wouldn't sing in front of anybody because of the self-consciousness or, or fear of it and how you were able to realize singing was, again, like acting and coaching. It got you to stop thinking about yourself. Yeah. I still think about myself when I sing. <laughs> well, most people do. Most people do. And, and you know, people, uh, it, it's always it's always assumed that public speaking is the number one fear. I don't believe that. I think singing in public is the number one fear. Because when you ask a lot Ooh, of people about that, they that's, run that's in the good. other direction. They want to be nowhere near that. You know, I've, I've told you, oh, well, you came to my song share group one time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, scared as hell, but I can't. Yeah, well, <laughs> in those days I was still scared too because that was brand new. And that's the reason I started that group. Two reasons. I, I wanted to have a sense of community in the in the pandemic and I knew we could do it on Zoom. And, um, and I knew that I was terrified of singing and I thought, there's no reason for this. I think I want to get over this. So I've been doing that for a year now. And it's funny what singing in front of other people once a week for a year will do for you. I can absolutely sing in front of anybody now. And here's something else that's fascinating to me. Because I don't hold my voice back the way I always did. I sound quite different. But that's a, that's a, a, that's a judgment that can't really be proved. Here's what I can prove. In the time since I've been much freer with singing, I've gained about a half an octave at the top of my range that I didn't know I had. So I can sing songs that I never would have looked at before. I never would have thought about. And a lot of those songs are from my childhood because those are the songs that you know, really kind of stick with you. But I was singing, all of a sudden I found myself singing the, the, the Disney song, When You Wish Upon a Star, which I've heard my entire life and always thought, man, I can't sing that. That's, that's got a little better than two octaves in it. I can't, I can't do that. Well, guess what? Yes, I can. And when right. I'm singing okay. some okay. of those notes, when I'm singing <laughs> those high notes, two things happen. When I get done, I sort of look around to see if I've made any dogs howl because it's high and I'm not used to hearing that sound come out of my mouth. And the other thing is, I have this sensation like, who's, whose voice is coming out of my mouth? What, what is this? What's, what is this sound coming out of me? I can't possibly make that because of course I can't sing that high. 
that old idea I had of myself, you know? I love the way you were explaining how because of the self-consciousness of singing, then that makes people tense up and tighten, yeah. which then doesn't let their full voice comes out. Exactly right. <laughs> and it's so it's so simple when you say it that way, like, oh, but if I did let everything out, I probably wouldn't sound as bad as I think I do because... Well, I, I can absolutely promise that because we have a few people on Songshare, um, and one of them's in the 3B community, um, and uh, this particular person told me, I'm tone deaf, I can't, I can't sing. I said, well, why don't you come and watch and see what you think? And if you want to sing, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Well, it turns out that she's not tone deaf. She can sing just fine. But she'd been told when she was very young, the way most of us have been at some point, oh, you can't sing or you're tone deaf. Yeah, I definitely been told I'm tone deaf. It yeah. shuts that. There aren't many people who are really tone deaf, Rob. Yeah. But if you believe you're tone deaf, it's pretty damn hard to sing. It was my band teacher. And I think he just didn't want me in the class because I was a bad student in high school. Here's the, here's the really funny thing. It ain't too late. Yeah. I didn't start singing with my full voice until I was 69 years old. Yeah. And brother, I'm making up for lost time now. Because <laughs> I, I, I can't get enough of it. And I, and I that. think that's it's true of most people. Most people have never really heard themselves sing because they hold it back because they're afraid of being judged. Singing reveals a great deal more than speaking does. So it makes you extra vulnerable or makes you feel extra vulnerable, you know? But what could possibly go wrong? You might sing badly. Somebody might laugh at you. So. That's yeah. true. That is that is so true. Because again, I, I'm just running the fear through my head. I've never been afraid to get on the stage. But I have been afraid to sing. I'm not I, I know and I'm talking one person to whoever. Oh, I, I know that you could say today, though, get on stage. There's 100,000 people there. Speak your piece. Mm -hmm. I'll talk all day long with no problem. Yeah, you get 999,999 people out of there. And it's one person, I still scared to sing. I don't know what it is yet. Well, but but I think you do know what it is. Yes, I do. But yeah. <laughs> you, you've made up something in your head a lot, that says, a lot. I, this is scary and I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get you back on Songshare sometime, Rob. Oh, yeah, I'm coming back. Oh, and, yeah, and, I'm coming and, back. And you might just surprise yourself by singing, too. It's a Man, very supportive group, you know. Gary, if I mess around and learn how to sing, man, I'm, ooh. Gary, that's all I can say. Well, let's do a little work on that because you don't really need to learn how to sing, Rob. You just have to learn how to let it out. Oh, singing you sound is a natural like, thing. You sound like I sounded teaching the speak and be heard course. Speaking well, is something. Speaking is this. <laughs> that's just yeah, so but, funny. Like I was saying the same thing that you know. I was like, yeah, it's true. I know it's true. It is. Isn't it funny how how valuable it can be to hear our own words coming back? Coming at back. Us? Yes, it is. Because uh, you're I'm coming back. right. You're yeah, absolutely coming right. Back. Whatever difference there is between singing and speaking is something that we've made up in our minds. Yeah. That, that's all. You're right. And it's, you know, it's such a, it gives me such joy to sing. Yeah. And it gives all the people on song show, everybody, the, the people who really sing are, are just <laughs> filled with joy when they do it. Oh yeah, and that's what's wonderful about it, and that's where people get confused. 
when they think, well, I don't have a, I don't have a nice voice or um, I, you know, I, I can't, I don't have much of a range or anything. What they miss is it's never about a pretty voice. It's about allowing the life that wants to come through you to come through without any impediment. When you let it come through, and this is the same with speaking in public, when you let it come through, everything's fine. It's only when you constrict it. And, and fear is the big constrictor. I can't do this, I've got to protect myself, you know. Then, then it, it can't come through. So, I mean, I, I guess I could say that I really heard myself sing for the first time at 69, you know. To even tie it all up in a loop, a, a good bow is, if I just accept it, it is what it is. Yeah. Perfection. Like, I have a way singing is supposed to sound. Like I'm just, just as I'm replaying what we've been talking about in a few minutes here, I just, I'm realizing, oh, I'm thinking when I sing, it must sound like this, 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 and this. And I've never heard what I sound like before comparing to any of that. Right, right, right. As soon as you compare, as soon as you compare, you've killed Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know that in the rest of your life. In the rest, everything. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Like, yeah, I... I got the voices of the people who I think sound good. I got the all of those notes, as you say, the high ones and the low ones there. I got all of those in my head that whatever I would sing, I would be thinking about them so much trying to get there. And the moment I don't, it's all gone. Yeah. And, and then you're essentially, without even knowing you're doing, doing a bad imitation of somebody else or doing an imitation of what you think you should sound like. Yeah. But, you know, it's I've I've seldom met people, even professional singers who really like the sound of their own voice in the same way that most of us when we hear our recorded voice speaking the first thing we say is does that do i sound like that that doesn't sound like <laughs> yeah. me because when when we're doing the talking or when we're doing the singing we have the bone conduction of our skull which yeah. is this fabulous you know resonating chamber and so the, the way I sound when I hear myself is never the way I sound when I'm listening to myself on a recording. I mean, I, I'll, I'll hear my voice on a recording sometime and, and it'll take me a minute. I'll think, oh, oh, that's me, isn't it? You know, uh, because it's not what I expect to hear. But that, that's just one more false idea that, oh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, sound, I don't like the way I sound. It's not, it doesn't sound the way I want it to, you know? When you let go of that, you fly. I love it. Well, then, Gary, listen, let's do this then. Every, every show, I give everybody the stage and the opportunity. So I'll give you the same. The stage is yours. Um, anything you want to share, your public service announcement, advertisements, any of that, you're all free to do. But then after you say what it is you want to say, if there are a few notes you would like to close us out with, you know, we love to hear it. Oh, why wait? I'll do that right now because I can show you what I was talking about earlier in terms of that range uh, in about eight bars and about 10 seconds. But uh, this is a song that everybody knows. It's a song we've all heard all our lives, but it's a song men almost never sing because the range is too wide. So uh, that's enough. I'm just, I'm just going to sing these last eight bars. You'll recognize it. Like a bolt out of the blue, fate steps in and sees you through. When you wish upon a star, your dreams 
come true. Now, those aren't the prettiest notes I can make, but it's very much like somebody saying to an artist, uh, I'm looking at your palette here and you seem to be missing some colors. And the artist says, no, I've got all, my, all the colors in the rainbow are right here. And this person says, no, no, I've got a couple of extra colors for you. And, and gives these, you know, five different colors of paint. That's essentially what I've gotten. This, this half octave that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, it's not something I use very much because those, those are high notes, but I can do it. And so all of a sudden my playground has been expanded by, you know, I don't know how much. It's just, it's gotten much, much bigger. And it's, it's geez, I used to have fun with it. It's just fun. Well, then is there anything? Actually, there is, because I do want you to share the um, article we were talking about, about what singing does. Oh, oh, sure. There was an, uh, yeah, I was reading an article in the New Yorker uh, last week, and it was with the, the man who's the director of the Los Angeles um, um, uh, Master Voices, I, I believe it's called. It's a, it's a, a really well-known really highly professional choral group in Los Angeles. And he was talking about how difficult everybody in the, in the chorale, the difficult time everybody had when the pandemic started because all of a sudden they couldn't get together and sing anymore. And singing as a chorus on Zoom is very difficult because everybody has to have specific expensive software or everybody's starting at a slightly different point and it sounds like hell. And he was talking about how he became aware of how singing created well-being. And there was something about that phrase that stuck with me. And I, wait, that's, there's something true in that. And there's something that doesn't seem right to me. And then it occurred to me, singing doesn't create well-being. Singing reveals well-being. The well-being that's always already there. And, you know, it, it's funny, you use a lot more of your brain when you sing than when you talk. But the part of your brain that is, you know, the noisy part, the busy part that's giving you a lot of false information, that sort of shuts up. It, it doesn't, you, you kind of have to be thinking for that to, to get wound up in your thinking, you know what I mean? And when you start singing, you're probably not thinking much. If you're really singing full out, there's nothing to think about. It's just an experience to to enjoy and be in. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is what so, we're talking about. Huh? It's it's the only thing we're ever talking about, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that that idea that it's just it reveals it. That yeah. becomes clear to me as I, you know, at some point every day I find myself singing, whether it's if I'm working outside or if I'm taking a walk or if I'm in my car or if I'm alone at home, I try not to sing too much when Nina's here just because uh, one day she came to me and said, if you're gonna sing the same song eight times, could you close the door? And I, <laughs> and I said to her, did I only sing it eight times? Because a lot of times when I'm rehearsing something, I'll go over and over and over and look for where the breath wants to live. And, and you know, I, I really get into it and I don't notice how many times I'm singing it. Um, but at some point every day I'm doing that. And, and it's really funny that moment when I give myself over to it, I can feel that well-being wash over me. And 
I have this sense of, oh yeah, it's my thinking isn't, isn't distorting it now. And so of course I can feel it. I can feel what's always there, but right now I'm not getting in the way so I can really feel it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.